What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Fox creeping forward. He pulls up. 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Takes one stage twice. Gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. Nibania. Bialica. It's way deserved this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. For 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Hybanowski on here, as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. I uh, I'm tired. I got my I got my steps in today. How many steps are you like getting in daily? Oh man, I don't keep track of this. I'm not sure. You're an Android guy. No, like I actually have an Apple Watch. Well, I, I currently don't know where it is. I will admit, but I never kept kept track of my steps. I don't know. I just heard that like you're supposed to do 10,000 a day, which seems high to me. But someone was talking to me about it, and I'm like, now I gotta, I gotta hit that now. Oh, so you're saying you hit that today? I'm no. <laughs> I'm oh, okay. very close. I'm very close. I, I've got as close as I've gotten. And so like I looked at. It's cool because this is not an Apple ad, but. It's cool because you can look at it, and it even without you trying to, it'll record your steps from, like, every day. And I've had this phone for, like, 18 months, so, like, it's so crazy how much they've decreased since the the pandemic. Like, I, it's like a third or less. Yeah, I mean, like, what is even a busy day of steps look like? Like, you have to go to the grocery or something? I'm just taking walks. Like I'm okay. taking a walk. I take three walks. I'm taking three walks a day. Today I'm at nine thousand and twenty-eight steps. I got to get out. No. Okay. My well, my yeah, my in-laws who live like a few blocks away, a few blocks away, ha- has a dog that we often play with and walk. So that's a good idea. It's a good hack right there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I, I got a dog here that definitely gets me out of this chair every once in a while when I get tired of watching random EuroLeague games. Uh, today, we are diving into three different guys in the 2020 draft. We have Leandro Balmaro, Desmond Bain, and Isaiah Joe, uh, two shooters. And, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get into our rankings of them, but the projections I see are Late first round, early mid second round, uh, something in that sort of range. So yeah, with Sacramento sitting there, thirty five, forty three names to definitely keep an eye on, and I think there's um, reasons to have interest in at least a few of them here. And if you're all right with it, I say that we start with Balmaro, since I feel Bain and Joe are a little bit more similar. We can kind of do them side by side. Yeah, they definitely are. So yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's get right into. Leandro Balmaro, the uh, point forward for Barcelona. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit uh, off air. It's kind of tricky to gauge Balmaro because he's playing in the EuroLeague, uh, like you said, for Barcelona, but he kind of hops between the A team and B team. 
and obviously very differing numbers there. But, yeah, I mean, the numbers I have for the A-team in 1920, uh, over nine games played, and he's averaging about 26 point. or I'm sorry, I'm looking at the B-League there. Um, yeah, the numbers I have for the regular league for the A-team is nine games, 12.9 minutes a game. And, yeah, I mean, these numbers are small because of the minutes you're talking about, but, again, he's playing in a, a really good league. Um, 5.1 points that you're looking at here, you know, 1.6 assists. Um, I'll, I'll point out the 1.2 turnovers as well on 44% from the field, 46% from three on very low volume. We'll talk about his three-point shot, I'm sure. And this has 85% from the free throw line. But, like, there's varying numbers between which team he's playing for, which league this team is playing in. You know, there's um, a stretch of nine games that he played for the B team where he shot six threes a game on 21 or 28%. Numbers are kind of all over the place for this guy. Yeah, they're almost unusable because you mentioned that, but that's nine games of league play. And he had nine games in the B League, uh, or the second league for Barcelona, and then six games in the EuroLeague. So you're only talking about, you know, like a third of his games from 2019-20, and he's played eight games in this current season for them as well. So, like, even trying to single out those nine games is like, it, it, it almost doesn't matter to me at all. Yeah, so what it, what is the first thing that stands out to you with Balmara? Specialness in passing mm-hmm. and, and, a, and a creative, shifty handle. And, like, it's funny because I always go into these and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to really try not to, like, compare him to other European prospects because I think that's just over-relied upon. But then you watch him and it's like ugh, all the comps that come to mind really are – there's a lot of this European um, crafty finishing, yeah, crafty driving, special passing that you just get. Like it's it's I think it's just a function of the you know we've talked about how ball skills are so much more important compared to athleticism and conditioning, which is you know I think he is a skinny you know kind of light framed dude. It, it is it's just it's prototypical of a European prospect, but that's just the way it goes, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think it's part of the style of play and the talent that they're working with. Like you said, I think that, you know, Euroleague tends to work with a little bit of lesser level athletes compared to the U.S., and that means that you're a little more skilled and the game is a, a bit slower that you're working with there. But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the passing, and at the beginning you called him a point forward. Yeah, the passing that he has for being six seven. I think is super impressive. And the other thing that really stood out to me with him is I think his on-ball defense being 6'7". And, you know, just he's very pesky, which I think you also see with a lot of these European guys. Um, Like on-ball defense, I think, you know, picking guys up full court, you saw him doing often. And, and, you know, you mentioned the playmaking. I thought he was calm and, and collected most of the time and also very willing to get creative with it. And and I feel like that and the on-ball defense were probably my two favorite things I saw from him. So that's interesting. I have seen some highlights of him playing well on defense, but his reputation and from the majority of stuff I've read on him, from people that have watched like every game of his, which I certainly haven't, 
is that he's a really poor defender. So uh, my my take was off the ball, he was pretty bad. But on the ball, he was good. I mean, length can do that for you, right? Like if you're if you're six seven with a slightly plus wingspan, yeah, I, I, and you're kind of have the craft or like the imagination and the IQ that he does the feel for the game. Like I think he's okay, but I I don't want to really have him use that in the NBA because of the strength factor. Like I don't I don't project him to be a strong, a good NBA defender. Just because he's kind of long and crafty, I, I would, I would have real concerns. Because especially if he's a point forward, he's just going to get bodied by, you know, other forwards like NBA physical forwards. Right, and he's probably too slow laterally to stay in front of ones at the NBA level. I think he could find a sweet, a sweet spot with some twos. Um, or just bothering some of these wing initiators if he's able to get into the ball. And I think that he can be uh, somewhat impactful there. But, yeah, there is concerns with, with that translating. I mean, you mentioned him also being a little more thin, and I think that that'll lead to uh, some issues there as well. And and he he's tall, but he um, – I, I didn't see an exact wingspan for him, but I saw people noting that they felt like it was a poor wingspan that he was working with. And then also on the defensive end – while he does have a good feel, and I would say that he has a high IQ, he did tend to gamble a bit, a bit much. Um, so I, I don't. I'm kind of still up in the air on how I feel about him on the defensive end in regards to translating to the NBA. But I think that there is potential there with the size that you're working with and his understanding. I think there's potential, but as far as projecting like a median outcome, I'm definitely. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not excited about him uh, defensively. I'm not like putting that in the strength category for him personally. But I do want to get back quickly to the playmaking. So I wanted to ask you: Do you see him as the guy that could play point guard? So I kind of think he has to. Like I, I don't really like him off of the ball that much. Um, we'll get to his shot that was underwhelming, but like. I think he kind of needs to be initiating the offense, and I think that's a little bit of the issue with him. I think he can do it at an okay level, but like, yeah, like a bench initiator that I guess, you know, is is your primary guy. Like, is it fair to say almost like a, you know, B level, C level bogey sort of thing? Maybe, but I want to set you up with my part two of that question, which is like, so he's a six seven primary playmaker, potentially. Um, how does he stack up with all the other 6'7 primary playmakers in this draft? Because there's a lot, like these, you know, not exactly 6'7, but these bigger point guards, LaMelo Ball, Killian Hayes, Tyrus Halliburton, uh, Taylor Maldon as well. Like, where does his passing rank among these guys for you? Well, I think that... His passing, well, it's clearly below the likes of Lamelo and, and Halliburton, um, and and then when you get to Hayes and and I forget the uh, the Maladon, the issue is that he doesn't have the scoring prowess to me that allows his passing to or allows him more passing opportunities. I think that you know teams will be more of a I'd rather let Balmero attempt to sort of get to the rim than help off this guy in the corner. 
when that's not quite yeah. the case with some of these other guys. Yeah, and I could see that as well. Like where he's a point, he he might end up as a point guard, but that's probably a bad thing. Ideally, you want him to end up as a forward. You want him to end up as a three-four. Uh, because he's yeah, like yeah, he 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 maintains that passing, but then he adds strength and he adds shoot, uh, shooting like spot up shooting off the ball, offense. So then he you know like that's the best of both worlds for him. Like if he ends up a point guard, it's a bad thing for him. Right, I think so. And, and I'll say that he was turnover prone as well. Um, I have one point seven five turnovers compared to 2.5 assists during his 24 games uh, in total between the leagues last season. And, you know, part of that is just, you know, getting a little ballsy with it at times. And I think that, um, you know, just being a young player, a, a lot of these guys that you've mentioned before have some poor turnover numbers. But for a guy that, you know, that's probably his primary skill, it's definitely concerning. Yeah, so we mentioned the shooting you know, I think you the season you chose to read off some of the numbers for was actually his best shooting performance by a long shot. Um, I will mention that in the eight games he has played in this current season for Barcelona, yes, like they're actually having a season there in Spain, um, he's shooting 19% from the field. Uh, oh, you know what? Maybe that's gone down since I lost. Like, I think it's, yeah, no, yeah, 19% from the field. That's not great. 10, 10% from three. You know, didn't make a three in the in the Euroleague, but I think he took like whatever four shots. So it's it's not uh, it's it just this this sample is so strange. It's like a little bit more clear than Poku. You definitely have him playing at higher levels than Poku, but I don't like feel good about the sample. Um, one thing I can note is that in his international career. He's shooting like right about seventy percent on free throws, a little bit less than that. How serious are the concerns of the shot? Like I know, you know, again, I'm going to lean on another international here, but Denny Avdia comes to mind quite a bit when you look at free throw struggles. Uh, a, a guy that like you're you're trying to pin down is this a serious concern or is there projectability? Are you expecting a lot of growth here? No, I mean, so when he played for the B team, he put up six threes a game and hit like 20, 28% of them. And I guess that shows some promise, like slash willingness, but I don't feel good saying Balmero is going to be a, a shooter at all. Like, I think that, yeah, he looked a little more comfortable off the dribble than off the catch, but like... I think that my concern with him, like, is that, again, he's really just a playmaker to me right now, and I, I think, yeah, uh, in regards to the offensive end. So if there's no shot for him, like, I think that the playmaking just gets so nullified. And, yeah, I, I don't have confidence in it, to answer your question, and I think that's going to be a lot of the issues with him. Remind me of your feeling on Denny Abdia as a shooter. I think that I feel a bit better about it um, in regards to the form that he was working with. And, you know, maybe I, I'm getting a little caught up in, in some of the workout videos that we've seen uh, consistently pushed out from him, probably just because he's a top prospect. Um, but, I, I mean, yeah. So I, I feel a little – I feel better with Denny. And obviously Denny has more that he's working with aside from the shot. 
the better. So, like, that's just where I, but that's more, I'm just trying to make that backdoor point on why we should have more doubt in Avdia's shot rather than telling you, like, okay, yeah, you need to believe in Balmaro. But I, let me ask you, <laughs> I'm getting off to another tangent here, but on Twitter, like, you know, you said you don't think it's crazy that Marvin Bagley could become a shooter. Like, why could Marvin Bagley become a good shooter if if Leander Balmaro can? Well, I guess I think that Balmaro can, but, like, Bagley is a pretty good mid-range shooter, you know, and I think that he has, like, a, a silky stroof, a silky smooth form to him. Like, I don't think he he has a little bit, like, too much bounce in his feet and things like that, but I think that Bagley, like, you've seen the potential in the mid-range and the idea is, okay, just step that back a little bit. Yeah, no, I don't agree. I would take Bomaro being a better shooter than Bagley, no doubt. Um, and I'm not even, like, sold on Bomaro being a good shooter. I think there's a point where it's, like, we have to at some point say not everyone can be a great shooter. Because yeah. if you, if we say, like, that this prospect who's been in the league, the NBA, for two years hasn't done this yet, but he can still do it, then anyone can do it. Like, I mean, how long does it take? Like, can Alex Len be a good shooter? I mean, he, he shot 36% on 2.6 attempts per game from three in a year. Like, okay, so everyone can shoot. You know what I mean? We have to, have, we have to draw a reasonable line at yeah. some point. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And in, in the Bagley conversation a little bit is just I, I feel like he can get to a point where people have to close out at the three-point line, and that in itself will open up him driving. Um, but I see where you're coming from, and and I probably tend to, you know, guys that I like the rest of their game, talk myself into their jumper if it's a little sketchy at times. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that means hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Anyway, so long story short for Bomaro, I think that he has the potential. Like, I'm not banking on it. I'm building in this ton of risk, just like an incredible amount of risk that he just isn't a quality shooter and, you know, he can work on it, but it's it's calculated. Like, you have to – if you're taking him in the first round, you have to understand there's extremely high bust potential because if you got a point guard that can't shoot it and, like, honestly isn't – an amazing fundamental passer. He has incredible flashes, but you know, I I just don't I don't think there's almost like there's almost no floor on this guy at all. Yeah, and I don't think that he's a first 
round guy. Like maybe a little later. I think that the reason Balmara would be a first rounder is a team like Boston has three first rounders. They can't keep all of these picks. Like he's he's a draft and stash candidate. And then that you just kind of like watch the shot. That's probably the swing factor, you know. And I think that that same logic can kind of be for thirty five for Sacramento. Yeah, see, that's really interesting because even though I'm, I'm, you know, I'm saying he's got no floor, I'm, I'm nitpicking him to be sure. Uh, I have him really high on my board. Um, I have him really high on my board. Like I have him, he, he's going to be a first rounder on my board a hundred percent, and it's not going to really be close. I will mention that James Ham, you know, threw him out there as a, a pick that the Kings could be considering at twelve. So. Yeah. Nate I mean, would hate us or hate me. What do you – I mean, oh, he'd hate you for saying uh, – Yeah. He's yeah, a big Balmaro guy, right? I think so, yeah. And I think there's a lot of big Balmaro guys. And I, I kind of get it. So, I mean, I'll, I'll spill the lead here. I've got him 23 on my board. Um, and okay. I would totally flirt with him at 22 or 21. Wow, okay. Maybe, maybe 20. He's not getting higher than that. But he's to me, he's in this group of, like, high-ceiling, super-low floor – Creator types, your Tim Maladon, R.J. Hampton, Nico Mannion types. Okay, yeah, I was wondering, like, when you're – because I, I kind of feel like you almost compare him to – while he obviously has a size difference to them, like I view him as an initiator. Like, so you have him higher than, say, like a Trey Jones, Grant Riddler, all these, like, point guards that we kind of lumped into potential 35s for Sacramento. I do because I've kind of come around, uh, you know, what PD Webb was preaching on the podcast and what I think you've been preaching a bit as well is just in the first round, upside really matters more than any amount of safety. So, you know, if it turns out that Nico Mannion is the kid that, you know, scored 30 points at the Nike Hoop Hoop Summit um, and he, you know, that the Arizona year was a bit of a fluke you know if you look at a guy like RJ Hampton it's like what do we even make of this New Zealand year right um you know and tail Maladon like this group of guys I would take 20 to 23 because in that range you're kind of a team you're probably I mean I forget the teams that you know maybe it's like a there's like Bucks pick in there I have from 20 to 23 Miami Philadelphia Denver Utah and then yeah there's Bucks OKC Boston Perfect. All those teams. 27 for New York, I think, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, specifically those first, like, handful of teams, like, perfect. Take a swing on one of those guys, and if you bust out, like, it's not that big of a deal. You can waste a early 20s pick um, on upside. I think that's okay, because if you hit, you really can hit. It would be monumental. Yeah, that's interesting because I definitely find myself valuing upside when you're talking lottery, even a little bit outside of it. But yeah, I I tended to find myself like especially when I'm you know kind of doing hypothetical mocks, like end of the first round, valuing guys that I feel like could contribute pretty quickly because obviously I mean these are like championship contender teams for the most part. But I see where you're coming from because when are you going to get another shot at an upside guy like this from a team in that position? Um, I probably got to rethink a little bit of my philosophy here. I see where you're coming from. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, obviously he's on the board at 35 with what you're saying. You're very interested in Sacramento for Sacramento. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there's a chance. I mean, I don't even think there's a big chance he's there at 35. Mm-hmm. But if he or Maladon are there, I'm I'm taking them for sure. Yeah. Which one do you like better? Or I'm sorry, does say Maladon? I think he's yeah. gone by that okay. point. Him, him or Mannion. Okay. Feel like they could slip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would be very interested in Balmero at 35. Um, and again, like I think that you know Sacramento obviously could benefit from a stash guy as well a little bit there with their situation going on. Um, but but yeah, I mean I agree with you. I think that the upside is there, and obviously worried about uh, the low end outcome for him. But yeah, I mean definitely good measurements that he's working with. Uh, hopefully he can put on a little bit of weight there and and develop that that jumper that I think is the swing scale for him. Yeah, um, I have another player we did today just below him, like only a few spots below him, right below that group of kind of raw playmakers. Um, let's get to him now. I mean, I'm sure you know who I'm talking about here. Desmond Bain. Yeah, it's not Isaiah Joe. Um, like Isaiah, I like him, um, but I like Desmond Bain a lot more. He is a senior. Um, he's going to be the second senior that we have in our first round. Uh, I think we both have two two seniors in our first round. Uh, Grant Riller, is that right? Yeah, and I have them, like, straight up back-to-back. Like, I have them 24-25 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally get it if you're a team that, like, say you are the Bucks, and you're like, you know what, I'm not going to take the home run swing. I want a guy right now because I'm afraid we're going to use, you know, lose Giannis. Totally get it, going for Riller or Bain here. So, Bain, uh, six foot five shooting guard I feel pretty secure in calling him that there's not like some wishy-washiness on position like there is with Balmaro um, which is you know wishy-washiness with position is a good thing these days but uh, 6'5 215 and I've seen his wingspan listed differently different places Uh, negative wingspan heard a lot about it and you can see it man Um, Sam Vincini who we really trust on this show to give accurate measurements has been at 6'5", wingspan as well, which isn't a good thing. Um, but I've also seen it as less than his height. And if that's the case, that's a huge, huge, huge red flag. Do you think that, um, you know, I actually have a list of every player to ever make the NBA with a negative wingspan. Um, I have to look it up real quick to find it. But just what do you think about his wingspan? Just like, kind of eye test wise do you do you see it yeah you definitely do I think that one of the places you see it the most is him closing out I think that you know people don't feel the same they, same pressure from him because those couple inches do make a big difference there um and yeah I think that he already isn't the best lateral uh speed guy so it it uh he struggles to contain some uh quicker guards at times and I, I will also say, like, you didn't – you somehow glossed over that he's, like, one of the buffest dudes in the draft. This man is jacked. At 215. Oh, he's absolutely yoked. Yeah, he's ridiculous. I think I remember a tweet from you forever ago that you don't want Bane on the Kings because you don't have to stand next to that guy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's a joke, but, like, I, I was saying, like, my initial analysis on him is that he's too he's too strong. He's too jacked. Like, I, like genuinely, I'm like – 
you might be too jacked to be like amazing at basketball. You need like a little more fluidity. So, but he actually was like surprisingly fluid. No, he was. No, he was. That was just like I'm like I was saying like uh, my first take based on this Instagram post is like you're yeah. too you're too like you know the guys that are, like in the gym like they're like their back muscles are too big to where their arms can't like hang alongside their body. Yeah. And you just want that guy to shoot every time. Well, I mean, yeah. Usually. I, I mean, sure. Like, speaking of, look, can you get into the shooting numbers real quick while I'm digging up this wingspan? Yeah, yeah. And Bane, like you said, four years and every single year a, a great three-point shooter. Um, over the four years that he spent at TCU, he shot 43% from three on uh, a total of 575 attempts. In his senior season, it was 44.2% from three on 6.5 attempts a game. And he's got a little bit of like a unorthodox form he's working with. When I first saw it, like if somebody didn't tell me that this guy was a good three-point shooter or like an elite three-point shooter and I just saw his form, I wouldn't buy it. And there's no way I would have thought that this guy could shoot off movement the way that he does with his form. Yeah, I mean, people are calling him the best shooter in the draft. And, yeah, I mean, is that uh, – I, I think he's up there. Like, it's yeah. – I mean, I, I think that, like, Joe's a little bit in the conversation that we'll talk about, and then Neesmith as well, right? Yeah, it's uh, – I think the sample size is really attractive when you look at four straight years of just knockdown shooting. It's hard to deny. Look, I've been scrolling through this group chat trying to find this damn list for so long here. I'm going to have to give up on it shortly, but let me put it this way. Like, the list of players ever in the history of the NBA, you know, since they started measuring wingspan um, in the combine, it's, like, it, it's incredibly, incredibly poor. It's uh, Kelly Olenek, the only players that I'd ever heard of. A lot of guys that I never heard of that totally busted out. The only guys that I'd heard of were Kelly Olenek, Tyler Hero and JJ Redick, and that was it. Like that's that's completely the list. Wow. Yeah, and I, I do. This is like almost me basing this off of like 2K when you make a player when you shorten their wingspan and they become better shooters. But like I, I think there's something to that. Like every guy you mentioned is a really good shooter. I mean every guy. Like I mean it was only three people. No, no, that's a good point. Like, and I think a lot of them were drafted. A lot of the busts were drafted based on shooting as well. Uh, I think there was one other guy, I, I want to say it was a Plumlee brother, but that was only like a, a quarter of an inch. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the short arm can cause a, or can help for a quick release, um, but it also really, really hurts you uh, as a finisher. And I'll point out that Bain, I think he had like something absurd, like 200 spot-up attempts or something like that versus 20 attempts at the basket, and yeah, I, I mean, I think that is a mild concern here, although when he got there, like, the touch was relatively soft. Do you think he can finish in the NBA? I think that the way that you're going to see him finish in the NBA is when teams try to face guard him and deny his three-point shot, and I think that he was a pretty good cutter, and I think that that's when you're going to see him finish, and in transition, where I think that he is a little bit of an underrated athlete in regards to the balance that he has. Um, but I think that, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's doing it off the dribble or anything like that. I think his finishes are going to be because they're overplaying him respecting the three-point shot. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't like the bounce. 
I wasn't impressed with the bounce really. Like, I mean, it's fine, but I think some of it is the just like a small dude type of guy. Like, he's a he's a great athlete. I think he's um, average there. I, I just yeah. think that like people have kind of I've seen him get talked down a little bit there. I think he's just average. Totally fine with that. Totally agree with that. I mean, I yeah, I think he's got a a very you know I, I watched an interview with him. Um, you must love this guy. Do you love this guy? I love this guy. Okay. It's all he does is refer to himself as a junkyard dog. Like that's <laughs> that's his whole thing. You know, he compares himself to Marcus Smart, like, you know, in the first question of this interview. Um, what interview is this? This, is, this was his media availability in the oh, content. Okay. He had a really good interview with uh, Stan Bassini on the Game Theory podcast, too. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's, he's super well-spoken, I will he's say. He's a really smart guy. Yeah. Super high IQ, and it shows on the court, like it's on court, off court, uh, off court, super smart guy. You know, I mean, I'm tempted to say him and Riller, they're these four year seniors that are just like kind of the complete package. Like, yeah. They're kind of the complete package. The only downside is that they're not elite athletes and they're older. Um, and, I mean, I think the athleticism slash measurables is what kept them from getting drafted earlier in their college careers. But, you know, notable to me is that Bain is not this crazy outlier age like Riller. Riller is going to be the oldest guy in this draft. Um, maybe there's some second rounder. I don't know that yet, like a Sam Merrill. But, um, like, Riller is, is mighty old. He is – he's, like, going to be – almost 24 by the time the season starts. Like, he might be 24. Depending on when the season actually starts, he could be 24 on opening day. Bain yep. won't be 23 until, like, the middle of the season, at least. So, yeah, and, that's and, significant. Right, and those are going to be your high floor, low ceiling guys, and I think that Bain very much fits that. Um, I'll say that I was surprised to – uh, feel that like Bain actually did pretty good when people were closing out. Like I thought that, you know, he was able to uh, take a dribble or two and, and even play make a, a little bit at times. Like I think he can be a, a tertiary playmaker in the NBA. Um, you don't want to do it too often. Like I don't think the handle's amazing or anything like that, but I don't hate him putting the ball on the deck like every single time he does. And, and I also think that there were moments of even like step back threes he was doing like he did it okay off the dribble and and I was a, a little bit surprised to have seen that yeah I don't think there's a real area of his game where he's gonna hurt you like, he can move the ball he can create for himself I don't think those are strengths by any means but I, I'm just not even sure you know other than the physical profile and the age I'm not sure that he has a weakness so this is where, like, I – this is kind of like my swing for Bane is, like, how much does this wingspan matter in regards to defending up? Because with how strong he is, like, I think physically in regards to strength, like, he can handle fours in the league. But is the wingspan stopping him from doing that, do you think? Yeah. What? Fours? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he just gets shot over every single time. He got a six foot five wingspan. He's guarding. He he can't guard threes, man. You don't think he can guard threes? I think he can absolutely guard threes. not. He absolutely cannot guard threes. Nope. Mm. Nope. 
he's guards he's guarding one ones and twos. He's a, he compared himself to Marcus Smart. I get it if like he's switched on to them. I think he can like use his IQ and his fight to like bail bail himself and his team out for you know for a second. But you like absolutely you do not want him on a four. That's the disaster. Interesting, interesting. I actually think that like with the strength that he has and and the like I, I don't think that he has like an impressive lateral quickness, but I thought it was fine. Um, and, and I guess it probably does need to be better with that negative wingspan. But like, I, I really do think you can get away with minutes of him guarding fours. I think you're out of your mind. Like the average four has a seven foot wingspan, and when you shoot the ball, you jump. So yeah, like he's gonna like the average four is gonna shoot two feet clear above him. There's no way. Um. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Like, I just don't know, is every four a guy that's just, like, rising over the defender? Yeah. yeah. In the modern NBA, they absolutely are. Like, the, how many how many, how many many fours are there in the league that can't shoot anymore? It's basically no one. Like, fours right now are, like, Kawhi Leonard, man. Like, Paul George, LeBron James. Like, Well, yeah, but you're naming superstars right now. Like, I'm naming, like, the prototype of a four right now. If it, look at the fours in this draft for a second. What what four in this draft can't shoot over a six five guy that's got to keep his you know feet planted so he doesn't foul? None. I mean, there's none. Yeah, like, I don't know. I I think that I I think I'm kind of gonna stick to this. Like I think that with the with the strength that he has, and I think that he's a really smart player on the defensive end. Um, that like he's gonna be. I think he could be fairly success, successful in a team that switches pretty often. It's not just it's not just shooting at him. You can pass over him as well. I mean, it's like what you're saying. Like, where, where does the strength? I understand like fighting through screens and all that with your with your strength. But like, what you like? Are you talking about like post ups? That doesn't even like that's not even really happening in the NBA more than. Well, no, like, so so where is, the, like, what, you're shooting over him at the three-point line? Because, like, I don't think that you're getting, like, inside, like, great positioning on him necessarily. And I think that if he's guarding a four, the four is not going to have, like, a great first step on him to blow past him necessarily. Yeah, you wouldn't blow past him. You'd shoot over the guy that's, you got a mouse in the house or you got a guy that's, you know. But are you even, is it a mouse in the house when the dude's freaking 215? Like, are you getting low post position on this guy? Yeah, you absolutely are. Like, I don't understand what you're saying. You're not – You're. this is the 1980s. You're not – it's not muscle versus muscle for position near the basket. Like, so say that, say you're a four and, you're, and Bane is guarding you. You cut to the basket. Um, maybe, you know, if – I mean, if the – I'm not saying you need to get the pass every time, but you're trying to cut to the basket. Your arms are much higher, longer. He's not directly on you. You know, you you say you sail a ball high, you throw an alley oop. Um, you know, you try to, or you can reset. You can you can give it to the four, let him look over Bane because his eyes are significantly higher than where Bane's at. Is he can hold the the ball above him, make a simple pass or make a nice read. Say like it's even Denny Avdia who's like not got a great wingspan. I still think he's he's easily operating around Bane. Say it's uh, another four like a Josh McDaniel. I mean, sorry, a Jaden McDaniels. Like, he just pulls up and shoots with that big old wingspan. Listen, you're just – I'm not, I'm not going to entertain this with you. Like, 
a six five guy like he's saying he's Marcus Smart. You Marcus Smart. You do you want Marcus Smart guarding fours? I think Mar- Marcus Smart's guards fives at times. And do you want that? Is that ideal? Like, are you saying like I don't think it's, that's it's not a assignment, but I think he can okay, so, switch on so to them saying, and get away with it just fine. So Bayonet is absolute. It's not just fine. You're saying Bayonet is absolute season, uh, absolute ceiling is what like almost Marcus Smart. So you're saying like in an absolute perfect scenario, then he's like almost getting to a situation where it's basically okay. I, I don't know about like the. I don't know about the Marcus Smart. Like, I don't think he's some crazy level defender, but I think that he does have this good IQ and, again, the strength to go with it. And obviously it's a little bit of an underwhelming wingspan that he's working with, but I think that, you know, nobody's going to bully him off of his spot and he's smart enough to to deny them from getting to those optimal positions where he's going to get taken advantage of. And, like, you do see guys that are smaller able to deal with – yeah, like if you, like you're mentioning a Marcus Smart, like Marcus Smart is guarding fours. Uh, I mean, like is he guarding fours intentionally, or is it? That, well, it's just like a switch everything system. Sure, and what I'm saying is that like he's the you know first of all his wingspan is six nine, so he's already got you know a four to five inch advantage on Bane. So we're like not he's not Marcus Smart. He's try he's going to be like seventy five percent of Marcus Smart. With less he's not. I, I don't think Bane's guarding ones. I think. I think likely he's hundred. He's hundred percent guarding. I think he can guard two to fours. And this is like high end outcome. Out of, but I think he can you're guard two out of your mind. You're completely out of your mind. He's guarding guards. He's he's guarding ones and twos. You're out of your mind if you think it's anything other than that. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> all right, all right. So this is yeah. All right, we're gonna. I, I'm gonna have to work through this big board because I think I'm gonna get spicy with Bane at some point. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, what else? What else do we need to touch on with this guy? We don't need to touch on anything more than Bane. I, I, I'll just say like, this is the one thing that stood out to me on the age. So he's a four-year senior, um, but I just wanted to really drive the point home that he's not Grant Riller. Like, he's actually younger than Obi Toppin, um, and he's actually younger than this surprised me. He's younger than Tyler Bay. Wow. Tyler Bay is hella old. I don't know how he got so old for his, like, for where he's, we feel like he's a young, raw guy. He's, I mean, he's older than Desmond Bain. So I'll just throw that out there. Like, as far as, is just really looking at the the actual, like, so he's played four years. That's not super common that a four-year senior is going to get drafted super high. I actually looked at that as well. Um, we've had three seniors drafted in each of the last couple of drafts in the first round. Um, very rarely in the lottery, the only one was Cam Johnson. Um, so it's like, you know, it, it happens. Two, two to three guys, like we have Grant Riller and Desmond Bain kind of in this range, maybe another one near the bottom of the first round. That feels about right. But I, I think that does eliminate him from like any kind of lottery discussion. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on 
all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion, we'll go with six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Aside from size, which obviously is a big deal, what is like the main difference between Bain and Aaron Neesmith, Sadiq Bain? Uh, between Aaron, I mean, like, yeah, like, well, say Bain and Bay, Bain and Sadiq Bay. All right, so like size does matter. I mean, we're talking right, no, about yeah, it does. Like five, six inches, four or five, six inches, depending on height or wingspan. Um, yeah, I mean, that's my, I mean, that, that's the number one thing. Like, I can absolutely see them being. They're both very well-rounded players, right? They just play different positions. Um. Another thing to mention here is, so Sadiq Bey, you know, believe it or not, he feels like a super old guy. He is he is younger. Um, they're definitely both high IQ guys. I think that Bay becomes instantly more switchable because he is the six eight guy. Yeah. Like I think he's. I'd much rather see him two to five than, you know, Bane one right. through four or whatever that type of thing. Um. Yeah, so I, I, I'm I, not also, I also think that there's something to be said for the program. Like Villanova, Jay Wright's system, like it just produces high-level NBA-ready uh, role players. And like TCU, I don't think that they have that reputation. I think there is another point of this is like Bay has been like pretty consistently valued as a, as a prospect, um, and he's played on big stages where – um, Bain is coming from like he graduated from a high school class that had 20 kids, 20 seniors in his high school. Yeah, uh, like he's stepped up. He took a very big step from his high school to TCU, and he adjusted well. But like we're asking him to take another really big step up in competition to the NBA. I'm not like convinced that's gonna go amazingly well. Um, I am. I, I like Bay better. No, but I like a crazy amount. I'm not confident in saying that, like, Neesmith's 100% the better player than Bain. Oh, you mean Bain is 100%? I, I, I think that Neesmith. Bain could end up a better player. I could be better than Aaron Neesmith. I think I have, I'm going to end up having them really close. All right, you said Neesmith and Bay. And oh, I'm Bain. sorry. I think that Desmond Bain is going to be very close to Aaron Neesmith on my big board. Yeah, I think that's understandable. Neesmith obviously has, like, the better wingspan, but Bain, I thought, showed a lot more defensively. And Bain, like, has more to his offensive game than just the shot. And he did it for four years. That's totally understandable. I I won't fault you for that take. I think that you're probably forgetting, like, the number one thing about basketball, which is that size matters. Like, I think you're forgetting the fact that, like, it's a huge, huge, huge part of the sport. And it's, like, the reason why – you can count the number of NBA basketball players that have been five foot something, you know, less than six feet tall right. on one hand. There's a reason for that. There's a reason that we love Poku. There's a reason you have him, like, in your lottery, and I snuck him in there myself recently. There's a reason, and it's size. 
Um, so, yeah, when I look at a guy like Aaron Neesmith with a 6'10 wingspan and he shot over 50% from three, yeah, there's a much, much higher ceiling than the four-year senior who has done similar things in terms of production but has a negative wingspan and only the three guys ever have succeeded in the NBA like that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I think at some point we're going to we're gonna come with – or at least I have to sort out my big board and then I'll co- we'll come back with some more – I'll come back with some more concrete takes here. Um, are you ready to move on to the other shooter we have here, which is Arkansas's Isaiah Joe? Yeah, I really like Isaiah Joe. Um, I'm just going to start off right here. First of all, just going to point out the similarity to Bain. I think they're both stuck at shooting guard. Like, I think that's their position. I don't think it's really up for debate. Um, whereas, like, actually, not a lot of guys are totally locked in as shooting guards, even in the entire NBA. Like, it's kind of like a more fluid position. Isaiah Joe, I, he's a shooting guard. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, and I'll start right here and, and hand it over to you. It's Trey Young volume and percentage. That's the thing that jumped out to me. Over 10 attempts a game from three hit about 35 36%. That's exactly what Trey Young did. Yeah, in his in his freshman freshman season, he shot eight of them and knocked down forty one percent, eight of them a game. Um, and yeah, the jump in his free throw percentage from freshman freshman to sophomore season seventy five percent at the free throw line. His freshman season eighty nine percent in his sophomore season. I mean, and, and even with just when you look at the form, like Isaiah Joe is right up there with with Bain and Neesmith in regards to the best shooter that you're talking in this class. I think that. He probably felt like the smoothest at times uh, when when it came to that as well. He has a he's six five and he has a six ten wingspan um, is what I saw. I didn't see that um, from Vassini. Vassini didn't have it listed, so it might be a little bit off there. But six ten was was what I saw there. Um, and yeah, I mean pulling down sixteen point nine points on the year, and there's not much playmaking you're getting from him. I, I will say, like, I thought that he did a good job jumping in passing lanes um, and some off-ball defense, but being only 180, again, compared to Baines, like, what was it, 215 that we're working with, Isaiah Joe definitely is going to be needing to put on some weight, and I think that's why he's probably, like, right now, you know, just guarding twos, if he, if he even is, like, successfully guarding twos. Yeah, and I'm going to cast some doubt on that, 6'10 wingspan, I think that if you have that much of a plus wingspan, it, it gets out there pretty quickly in some official That's measurements. And just like the whole, like I think the sites that I've seen list him as 6'10 wingspan also listed Halbert at a 7-foot wingspan, and then we found out it's actually 5 inches shorter than that. So I'm just going to like, in my mind, based on nothing, kind of pencil him in at like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, yeah, it's, it's definitely a positive wingspan, um, but I see where you're coming from there. And I think that it benefits him, again, like jumping and passing lanes where I thought that he was fairly smart. Um, and, yeah, obviously the shooting numbers that you're working for him are ridiculous, but then you look at the field goal percentage. And freshman year, 41%. Sophomore year, 36% from the field. And part of this is the the slenderness that he's working with and not having a great first step. Like he had some okay shooting off attacking a closeout or, again, like maybe some sidestep or step back to to shoot a three that you kind of saw similarly to Bain. But there's no 
there's no getting to the rim with Isaiah Joe. You know, he's just going to get dislodged or he'll – he didn't throw up many of them, but, you know, the these slender guys like throw up floaters because they're just simply not looking to take that contact. Um, I think that that's going to – a part of the weight is, you know, what is limiting him to being like primarily just a three-point shooter when it comes to the offensive end. You know, what's interesting is like the 37% field goal percentage didn't bother me at all because it's all threes. Like, you know, right. I mean, you look at his 2% shots, it's 45%. But like you say, not taking many twos, um, it's pretty much open drives. Like if he gets an open look at the basket, he's that's what he's taking. Um, and, you know, he's got a decent touch there, but the frame and the weight are real problems. It's just not really a factor for him. He shouldn't be like factored into any paint scoring or defending like basically at all. He's a perimeter player, um, and, and yeah, like so it's not that he's like failing to convert shots there. He's just not trying, and I think that that field goal percentage is it just pulled down by that thirty five percent three point percentage on eleven <laughs> eleven freaking attempts a game. Um, but yeah, I, I I think there's a lot to enjoy here I think that you know I I wonder I wonder why Tyrell Terry is like getting talk in the top 10 or 15 or whatever come back to Terry a lot when we've looked at these guys and why why isn't Joe then I mean there's some there's a lot more playmaking with Terry there's a lot more but like it's to me I've just never like you know Terry is like I'm gonna honestly. I'm gonna look at Tyrell Terry's numbers real quick because just mm-hmm. to there are like some flashes, and I obviously like Joe is just chucking the ball. Like I mean, if he can pass, we don't even really know. Like, yeah, it's, there it's were some poor game. shots, but like it's it's Arkansas, and he's clearly the best player they're working with there. And yeah, I mean he he had a reason to be chucking. He's a ridiculous shooter. Like, I I just never have bought Terry as an amazing playmaker. Like he had basically as many turnovers as assists. Like, he's, like, three and three. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I just – I've never bought into that. I, I understand, like, oh, he he's a point guard, so he makes some good passes, especially on tape. I don't know. Like, I think if – say you make that leap for Terry and say, okay, well, he can be a good passer. Why can't you make the leap for Joe and say, well, he can be a, a wing defender? And then you've got a three and D – like, an elite three and D player. Personally, like, I, I think that you can, but I, I'm talking about both of them as, like, late first-rounders if you're buying that. You know, like, I'm not Kevin O'Connor yeah. level with Terry. Yeah, fair enough. And I think Terry is significantly younger. Just going to double-check that. Okay, so it's about a year difference there. Um, it's, uh-huh. Yeah, a year difference there in age, so there's a, perhaps a little more upside in Terry, but I like the, the size, at least. Like, Joe, he's he's got, like, you know, he obviously needs to work on his frame, but he's got an NBA size, uh, and that's, like, a big place where I've doubted Terry in the past. Yeah, I have a comp for Joe that I feel pretty good about. Let's hear it. I got Landry Shamit. I like that. I like um, that a lot. Yeah, Shamit, the college numbers, he was weighed 6'4", uh, 179, Isaiah Joe 6'5", 180, and yeah, senior season at Wichita State for Shamit was 44% from three um, with, yeah, a little bit better from the field, I guess, but yeah, I mean, six attempts, 40, 40%. I think that 
they're both going to come in and be pretty good shooters. Joe weirdly has, like, some concerns shooting off movement. It Like, his numbers just surprisingly weren't good there, but I, I'm not really concerned about it. Um, but I think, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve when it comes to putting on weight. And I think, you know, Jackson Frank did a really good piece on Isaiah Joe that I would encourage people to uh, subscribe to his Patreon and check that out. But, you know, showed how, like, Joe put on a good, what, 13 pounds, something like that between his freshman and sophomore season. So, say Joe got to a team like Milwaukee that has a really good uh, prior history with strength and conditioning for some of these guys that, you know, maybe if that was the case, I think there's a little bit of a learning curve if he can put on some weight that that, that would be the case of him becoming a good defender. But right now that he's going to have some issues there similarly to Shamit. Yeah, I really like that comp. I like where we've come down on Joe. Is he's kind of kind of a dice roll. The one other thing I, we got to mention is he did end his season with injury, he had surgery to his knee to clean it out. I believe it is. I don't know why I'm. Oh, you're that. you're also reminding me. Desmond Bain, four years at TCU, didn't miss a single game. There you go. Regular buddy healed. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I, that's I think like there was some discussion of him pulling out of the draft, uh, and then maybe going back in because of uncertainty of the season being played or how it's going to be played or whatever. And it's a weak draft, so might as well jump in. But I think there's a chance that he would have preferred to stay away, uh, maybe come back fully healthy, you know, and kind of flash as one of these like elite shooters and get into the first round. Right, I, one more year of 40% from three would probably do numbers for him. I mean, if he even took the – if he just, like, took, you know, made some better choices on which shots he's taking and not taking, maybe he drops his attempts to, like, eight per game and he hits, like, 39%, then you're looking at, like, a late first rounder. I do I, – I don't quite have him there. I do have him in my second round. Where did you come down on Joe? Um, I have I, – I think the – a team in the late first could get convinced into taking him. Um, and again, I got to more concretely lay out my tiers. But yeah, I, I'm probably right towards the end of the first round that I'm working with here. Um, yeah, it, it, it's right now I got a pretty big tier, so I got to get a little more concrete. But I'm I'm right towards very end of the first, or very end of the first and beginning of the second. Gotcha. Yeah, well, I think that these are the three guys that have been getting love in the first that we haven't covered. I, I feel – I know I've said that before, but I feel very – we've done 39 guys now. I feel very sure that I've got my top 30. Okay. Yeah, like I said, I'll uh, definitely lay mine out more uh, and feel more confident for the next episode we got here. That's what I'm working on right now. I'll also just kind of mention to kind of – Quickly touch on what I did to kind of cement my top 30 uh, and get your take on this. I, I just dropped everyone, all the all the centers that I am unsure about, I just dropped them out of the first. And now I got a huge batch of five centers, my first five picks in the second round. And not a mock draft, but like, I just, they're just, you know, center is just such an overpopulated position and the value has dropped so far that I have. Precious um, a part of this. Yeah, I have oh, Precious. I have, I have Isaiah Stewart, Precious Achua, Xavier Tillman, Daniel Arturo, and Zeke Naji. They're just at the top of my second round. Don't spend a first pick on a, on a big man that's like 
very questionable. Yeah. I just the, the guys I have ahead of him, I know you don't have your board ironed out, but I think there's 30 guys that the last two inclusions, and this was, you know, on my, like, original grades, I had Robert Woodard and Tyler Bay a little bit lower than most of those guys or all those guys. But I was like, listen, at the end of the day, like a big forward, like a big wing, it's just more valuable. Take the swing on Woodard or Bay because just you can replace a center if you if you don't. I mean, you could just take Woodard at 29 or 30 and just sign, you know, a scrap hoop center, and I think you're fine. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I see where you're coming from, and, like, we there's, there's going to be a draft crush piece coming out for, for King's Herald, and, and I claimed a Kongwu, and then the more I started watching him, like, I, I'm with you. Like, I just find myself keep lowering him where I really – I really like a Kongwu as a player, but just the value of centers is at a terrible spot in the league right now. I'm totally with you, and he's why that's why he's like at the bottom of my top ten. I love him, I love him, but it's just it's he can't shoot. He's not special. He's a really really good traditional center, you know, defensive center, but I just I I don't know I I don't know. The upside is just so limited from a non like offensively versatile center. Anyway, we can get into our, our specific rankings further on, but I will say we've done thirty nine. There are sixty four guys that I want to talk about. Okay. I know that's that's a lot. That's twenty five guys left. I want to do five more episodes with you with five guys each. And like wow. we really get like, you know, we don't need to talk for more than five minutes on you know, whatever, uh, Jordan Nora. But mm-hmm. just to just to get – I want a top 60 when we go into this draft in less than a month now. I like it. So I, I kind of want to get to Sam Merrill here because I he's, think he's, he's on my list. Okay. And, yeah, I mean, do we want to try to lay out – You're going to hot take 25-year-old Sam Merrill in right, the first round. Right, right. It's totally my guy. <laughs> Um, okay, so do we want to do, like, similarly sized guys? Should we try and lay out the next five right now? Sure, that sounds good. I'll just read off the names of the guys that I want to do, the next 25. Real okay. super fast here. Last names only. Ramsey, Reed, Carey Jr., Pritchard, Stanley, Hughes, Mays, Azubuke, Tile, Nora, Ndore, uh, Ndoye, Quickly, Perry, Merrill, Howard, Madar, Haggins, Jones, Dionne, Weston, Alexander, Hinton, Marshall, Scrub, and Powell. Okay, so three I have listed here. Tell me if you're cool with this and who else to add. Sam Merrill, Cassius Stanley, and um, Jordan Nawara. Are you okay with those three and adding two more to it? You're kind of going wings here? Yeah, that's what I was looking at. Put Hughes, uh, Hughes in there, Elijah Hughes. Okay, and then Jemias Ramsey? Maybe. Uh, how about Najee Marshall? Okay. Okay. Those are like our 6'6 six, six to 6'8 six, guys. Yeah. Najee Marshall, and then who was the other one? Hughes? Uh, yeah, Elijah Hughes. Okay. All right. I, uh... Yeah, I'm all for this. Yeah, I am. Uh, what are we like? I think we're like a month out from the draft, roughly. Le- less than a month, man. Yeah. 
Most I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm gotta tell you, I'm never gonna have been as excited as I'm going to be for this upcoming draft. Absolutely. How much I know the guys. Absolutely. Super excited about it. Yeah, man. We'll just crush through these and we'll do another mock draft with uh Bryant and Nate if possible and um we'll do a little trade talk, maybe some draft night trade previews, do some hypotheticals there and any other news that comes across. But uh for now I think that's about it, man. There we go. Um, well, I guess that's going to do it for this episode. Like you said, we're going to keep covering the, the draft here with not all too much time left. Uh, diving into, you know, Sacramento's got a plethora of second-rounders to work with, so definitely relevant conversation here. And the guys at the Kings Herald will continue putting out content there as well. I might be putting out some draft profiles there at some point as well. Um, definitely go subscribe to their Patreon to support independent Sacramento Kings coverage. And if you enjoy this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here.